Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I'm so excited to share my conversation with Yvonne Nydigger. I could have talked to her for hours, as she has so much wisdom to share. Yvonne spent most of her career prior to her 2010 diagnosis of stage 3 breast cancer, working in high-end retail sales and management. But like so many who hear the words, you have cancer, she looked for a way to help others on their journey. Her search brought her to Breast Friends of Oregon, a grassroots organization that provides emotional support for women going through a diagnosis. Yvonne first embraced the organization as an active volunteer, then a member of the board of directors, and finally in 2016, as the co-founder, prepared to retire, she was asked to step into the role of director of programs. Since that time, she has dedicated her life to the development of the Warrior Women programs, facilitating countless workshops and support groups, expanding the embrace of breast friends in the local community, and reaching out and counseling hundreds of women on their journey with cancer, giving her cancer diagnosis purpose and meaning, one friend at a time. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Yvonne, but before I do, I just want to remind you, if you're looking for some great cancer prevention tips, go to revivewellness.com. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com and click on free gift. Hi, Yvonne. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I am so happy. This is wonderful. Thank you for having me. This is a great opportunity to share a little bit of our story. Uh, Well, I'm happy to talk to you and just tell me, you know, a little bit about your story. Well, um, as so many of our listeners, I am also a woman who's heard the words, you have cancer. In 2010, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer, and I was one of those women who was healthy and active. And, you know, I looked at my my life up to that point, and I questioned, you know, why would I be someone who would ever be um, someone who heard those words? And I learned very quickly that cancer, unfortunately, doesn't have any boundaries and really doesn't follow any rules. So I spent the next um, almost year and a half going through my my battle, as we say, and um, emerged on the other side looking for purpose for all of that. So, yeah, so that's been, you know, for the last 10 years. And that's kind of what's bringing me to you today is that sense of, you know, finding purpose from probably the most difficult time in my life, but the time in my life that gave me an opportunity to really step back and determine what was incredibly important. So, you know, it's like we we jokingly say, um, no one wants to have cancer. No one wants to, 
you know, go back and redo it again. Uh, but um, most of us will will raise our hands and admit that we wouldn't change a lot of the things we learned and who we became as a person after our diagnosis. I mean, I think so many women can relate to that. You know, you're you're looking for something. It, it causes you to soul search. And so tell me, how did you get involved with Breast Friends? Well, when I was diagnosed, um, I was kind of the poster child for that strong, um, positive woman. I was I was the one that all the doctors asked me to talk to other women simply because they knew I had such a great attitude. And uh, I went through my entire journey kind of carrying these pom poms. And I I got to the end of that time period when I was in active treatment And like so many women, you know, when they say, you know, okay, you know, you're kind of done with this part of it. um, I found myself really anxious and I was not someone who had sought out a support system during my treatment. I had great friends and wonderful family and I didn't have to work. And, you know, so I didn't really have a worry and I felt like, you know, I've got this. So when I when I started having all this anxiety, it happened to be right before the Komen Issues Conference and uh, right before one of the, the Race for the Cure events. And I'd gone down to our, our local Coliseum to pick up my goodie bag. And there were lots of vendors there. And as I walked around the room, there was a, a woman in the corner with pink pom-poms wrapped around her neck. And she had this big smile. And I, of course, am bald and have my scarf on, you know, and I'm looking like someone who's been through what I've been through. And, you know, I walked up to her all smiles and was looking at their information. And she looks at me and she goes, hi, I'm Sharon. How are you? And I said, oh, hi, I'm Yvonne and I'm fine. And she goes, but how are you really? And it gives me goosebumps even now. Because at that exact moment, it was like the, the door opened and I started to cry. I'm in this room with this woman who said like five words to me Aww. and she just embraced me in this hug. And while she was hugging me, she said, oh, honey, don't worry. I get it. I understand. This is normal. And I just felt so heard and so validated. So she was actually one of the co-founders of Breast Friends, Sharon Hennepin, she and Becky Olson. And we, um, from then on, it was love at first sight. And I became an active volunteer and on through. And it's so true. Sometimes we just need to hear someone understands, you know, your mission is, is so important. So, you know, really tell me a little bit more about your, your mission with Breast Friends. Well, Breast Friends was started, uh, again, by two women who themselves had both been diagnosed at a young age. And at a time, almost 26 years ago, when there weren't a lot of support programs for women, and quite honestly, a woman going through or anyone going through cancer was almost isolated by the, um, the, the attitude of the world around. You know, cancer was not something that was even spoken out loud in many circles. And when you were diagnosed, it was thought that, you know, okay, you know, if she needs anything, you know, she's going to let us know. And um, in the case of Sharon, um, that was what happened with her. And she went through most of her diagnosis without having help. And she had a wonderful family and all of those great things again, but she didn't have other people to talk to. 
So um, when Becky, her co-worker went through years later, she knew exactly what to do. She knew how to help Becky because she'd been through it. So over the years, they kept talking and talking about why doesn't somebody have a program like this? And over coffee one day, they literally, with $50 each, invested in a nonprofit, um, and that was 21 years ago. And Breast Friends is an emotional support program. We focus on the needs of the woman that the medical community oftentimes doesn't touch on, which is that sense of connection with other women who, who truly do understand. Uh, we offer them everything from um, supportive groups to workshops that are educational inspirational or just fun um, because yeah, you can even have fun when you're going through cancer. And I really think at the heart of Breast Friends um, is that one word, friend, because our mission is to you know help women going through a diagnosis one friend at a time. So yeah, it's, it's an amazing organization. We are local to the Portland, or I should say to the Oregon and Southwest Washington area, but um, it is certainly something that has brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. Explain to me how you navigate people through the cancer journey. Gosh, you know, when I started, um, my role at Breast Friends is the director of programs. And that's kind of a gigantic term for, for a broad spectrum of what I do, which um, to me, one of the most important pieces is, as you say, navigating through. And um, a lot of what I'm doing is giving women an opportunity to, like we said earlier, be heard. Um, many times women come to us at different stages of their journey. And depending on where they are, um, we're able to give them not only tips and tools on how to, um, to get through what's happening. I always laugh because things that we tell them, um, you know, their doctors and their, and their nurse navigators are amazing. And they're given so much information that's incredibly valuable. But I like to tell them when they're heading into chemotherapy that the hair in your nose is going to fall out faster than everything else in your body. And it's going to make your nose run and it's going to make you have bloody noses because nobody tells you that. And when you're going through and they tell you, oh, be careful, you're not going to get a cold. And suddenly your nose starts running like a sieve and it's on the weekend and you think, oh, my God, I'm getting a cold. And it's things like that, that a woman who's been through a diagnosis is going to to get and understand and be able to share. So my, my navigational piece is oftentimes laced with personal experiences, experiences that I know other women have gone through, but it's also um, learning how to, to take this story in the bites that we need to take it and not try to read ahead in the chapters and not try to do all the things that unfortunately today's society encourages to do, which is, you know, surf the web and, and try to, you know, really absorb as much information about things that re honestly um, can cause you so much more stress than you need during this time. So it's also teaching them what they should and shouldn't be doing in terms of finding their center, finding their space. So it's a very emotional connection that we offer. So important. No, in our conversation earlier, you spoke about three stages that cancer patients go through. And I'd love you to go over those because I resonated so much with them. And I know the audience will too. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's interesting because, um, again, we don't realize that you think it's your own story, you think it's your own journey. And then you start hearing that 
hundreds of other people, if not thousands of other people, have gone through so similar of a situation that it gives you that sense of, oh, okay, I I can control this better because I understand it. And I like to, like I say, mention to you earlier that think of it in three stages, because that first stage is when you first hear the words, you have cancer. And that's literally like tossing a coin and suddenly going from being heads every time to being tails. You can't flip that coin over. Once you have heard tails, you are now in that that world of cancer. And the time from the moment, the moment that you hear those words to the time when you start treatment, I think is one of the most unsettling, um, anxiety-ridden, depression-oriented times for people because all this information is coming at them. All these new words are coming at them. They're having to turn over their life. From there, once treatment starts, um, there's a wonderful analogy that I read in a book that is that compares being in active treatment like being on a barge. It's like stepping onto a vessel that you know is going through a space that's incredibly controlled. And even though you may have moments where there are um, different sections and different experiences, you can still see the shore. You can still feel your feet underneath you. You still know someone's guiding the ship. So active treatment tends to be a time when people are in that They're in that fight mode. They're in that forward motion. They're feeling very proactive about their journey because they know they're doing all the things they need to do. As tough as they are and as hard as they can be on us, they're also something that are are opportunities for gigantic check marks on that calendar. Yeah, I'm knocking off another treatment. I'm having another radiation. I'm doing another surgery. And that feels so proactive. And then what happens is when active treatment, um, your your major pieces of treatment are finished, um, a lot of times your team will tell you, okay, so we're done and we'll see you in six months. And it's, again, I'm the queen of analogies. And what I tell my women is a little bit like running a marathon. You know, you prepare and you run and you race and you race and you race and you get to the end and you're almost finished. You can see the finish line and you step over and what do you do? You collapse into a heap. And it's that sense of collapsing into a heap that happens to anyone who is finished with cancer and then feels like, holy cow, what just happened? How do I pick myself up? How do I breathe normally again? And that's that important stage of going into your life after breast cancer or any cancer. That's exactly why I started doing the work I did, because afterwards, it was just so unsettling. Uh, The fear was just huge. And, you know, I remember those exact words. My doctor just said, go back to living your normal life. And I'll see you in three months. And I'm thinking, (laughs) you know, go back to my normal life. I'm not sure that was working. I mean, I'm not, not that, you know, anyone's to blame, but I knew I had to look inside and say, I need to make some changes. So do you find that people are most afraid after cancer is over, after treatment is over? Or, you know, what would you say about that? 
I would have to say yes, because um, the the fear of reoccurrence, uh, if you had to ask a group of women um, what their greatest fear is, um, most of them, even having gone through what they went through, will say that that sense of fear of the cancer coming back and just the fear of um, figuring out what cancer means in their world, um, it is it, it, the treatment process is a tangible fear you know that um, it is going to be something that's scary. Um, it's something that you know you'll have people helping you with. You know you'll be supported and you know you will be finished with treatment at a certain point and you will start to be um, moving forward. And again, um, with a lot of the fear of both reoccurrence and just finishing that stage of, of the process is an intangible it's not something that so, so people will say to you, don't worry, you know, oh my gosh, you are, you are amazing. I, I always love women will come to me and they'll say, everybody around me is going, yay, you're done. I'm so excited for you. Aren't you happy? Your hair is growing in. Oh my gosh, you know, you look great. And inside they're just harboring this like, oh my God, what if it comes back and nobody gets that. So I think that fear to me is the one that resonates the most. Yes. And it does seem like people, especially your support system and family, they just want things to get back to normal or the way they were. And they're just like, you're great now. And, (laughs) you know, the support kind of wanes. Uh, So that leads me into your program, Life After Breast Cancer, I'd love to hear more about that. Well, this came about because we used to do a weekend retreat called Thriving Beyond Cancer. Our uh, my co-founder, our co-founder and my mentor, Sharon Hennepin, actually wrote a book called Thriving Beyond Cancer based on her experiences of 20 years working with women and realizing that the, the stage, that, that third phase to all of this, can be just so difficult. And to be around a group of other women who actually understood and to be in a weekend setting where you could you know be in your pajamas and be talking about all the things that are really hard to talk about with anyone else uh and obviously covid um stole that from us like so many other things so i started thinking how we could segue that program into something different and I was so sure that we could make those connections, even with the virtual community. And what's been wonderful has been to work with women. Again, Life ABC is life after breast cancer. And it's all about, um, I like to call it peeking over the fence. Because um, again, so many times people think they have to just thrust themselves into the process of getting back to the person they were before they had cancer, that they have to go back to being their job the same way they were, being the mom they used to be, even being the friend or partner that they were prior to their diagnosis. And what they don't realize is that if they try to do all of that so quickly without allowing themselves Um, there have been studies that have shown that going through a diagnosis of cancer has a stage very similar to PTSD. 
And there is a time period that if you don't allow yourself to really process some of that in a gentle way to kind of give, as I, as, as I love, there's a, a poem that talks about giving yourself permission to heal. And we give our bodies permission when we can see the scars and we say, okay, I've got a scar. I've got to allow this space to heal. But what we don't do is say, okay, my body has been through and my mind and my spirit as well have been through a trauma. I need to give myself permission to heal and to, again, um, stick our toes in the water of what that looks like. Watch the ripple effect of starting to look at, you know, how do I re-engage in this activity? How do I start to um, reintroduce exercise and fitness into my world without feeling discouraged because I have side effects that don't let me run like I used to or whatever it happens to be. Taking expectation bars down and giving yourself grace in all the areas that you want to start, again, peeking over the fence with is probably this biggest tool I have given my ladies in that program. Fantastic. So it's a group program. Yeah, we have a three-part series uh, and I do um, three different Zoom workshops. And surprisingly, what's been nice, I wasn't sure if it would work, but uh, as you probably know and everyone out there has experienced, even in the quote-unquote Hollywood squares of Zoom, you can make connections. And when you are going through a class like this that is engaged and emotional, I mean, there are tears and we laugh and we share funny stories and we talk about deep things and we do activities to um, help us all communicate better how we're feeling. But to have that opportunity with the same group of women for a three-week time period is incredibly connecting. I have groups that are now, because we're opening up, they're all like, oh my gosh, we can meet for coffee. Oh my gosh, I can actually see you for real. So, you know, it doesn't require being uh, in pajamas at the beach to be able to um, embrace another woman who understands you. So yeah, it's been, it's been a great program. Oh, it sounds like it. So just to ask you, you know, what have you learned? I always say cancer has been one of my best teachers. And I'm wondering what has cancer taught you, not only about yourself, but life in general? Oh, my gosh. Um, And you're right. It is one of the greatest teachers that um, any of us can have. And uh, not that, again, we want to encourage anyone to go through this experience, but any of the listeners who are in the midst of it, you can't tell a newly diagnosed woman that she's going to learn some of the greatest lessons of her life going through cancer. And it's not just the tough stuff. Um, You have to get to that space again, where you're able to stop and kind of reflect, but it is um, such an amazing thing for us to have the time to really look at what's important in life, to reevaluate who we are in our space. And I think for me, um, learning that I wanted to have a greater sense of purpose in my life. And I happened to find my purpose in the breast cancer community. 
But I think even moving beyond your own diagnosis in whatever the field is and finding purpose in volunteerism, finding purpose in kindness, finding purpose in helping others, in um, having more patience. God knows cancer teaches us all patience. And it is, it is, I think that we all need connections to be able to go through any trauma. Um, people who have never had a difficult time in their life, who've gone through life fairly unscathed and get to a big crisis are oftentimes more challenged than someone who has gone through some roller coasters and realized that they're kind of, as the book says, a badass and they can really handle more than they think they can handle. So yeah, you know, I learned I was a badass and I'm using that knowledge to um, not only help others, but also help myself. And that's incredibly important. Yeah, I mean, you heal so much through helping others. There's no doubt. I heard when we spoke earlier, you said you don't like the phrase new normal. And I just want you to expand on that. I'd love to hear more. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and please know anybody out there that enjoys that phrase. I'm not saying that it's not a you know, a good phrase, but I went to a, a work in the midst of my, my third stage, third third of my stage, I did go to a support group that was called finding your new normal. And I sat there and the whole time, all I could think of was, you know, I, I don't quite get this. I don't quite understand it because cancer didn't, didn't like make me more normal than I was before I had it. But then I started really reflecting over the years, and especially when I was starting the ABC class, I started thinking about, you know, how can we phrase this? And I said, you know, I'm more than I was before my cancer because of what I learned. I am more than I was. I was great. I was normal. I was I was great. I mean, everybody needs a little work, but I, I was normal. And what happened is I thought, you know, cancer is... And coming through a diagnosis, you are normal plus. You are your beautiful, effervescent, normal self, plus all the lessons you learned going through. Some good, some bad, because we learn, you know, all kinds of different things. But those pluses, those things that are those silver linings of cancer, you know, everybody who's been through knows what I'm talking about. Those crazy silver linings, those pluses. I, I know, Haley, that you had to, to really focus your energy on health and wellness. And, you know, maybe not going through that, not that you wouldn't have been someone, but you may not have found some of the amazing tools that you're now able to share with other people. You took your normal and your experience gave you a plus in the fact that you knew you had to gear yourself up a little more and dig a little deeper into something really important to you. So yeah, I think I think a normal plus is is a really good way to look at who we are because you're not you're not having to also when you think of the term new, you think, what does that mean? You know, 
what, what, how, how am I new? How am I new? You know, I, I don't understand. So be normal, be your normal self and look for the ways that cancer has provided pluses in your world, even if it's just teaching you patience. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm just thinking so much about that. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's such a better way to say it because when you say new, you feel like you, that you're different, that you're somehow, and it's okay to be different, but you don't want to feel that you're, that you're not the same as you were. And I also think what happens when you say new, there are higher expectation bars that you have to reach a new standard that, okay, now that I've been through cancer, I have to eat healthy. I have to exercise every day. I have to stop being stressed. I have to do all these things because now with this whole new normal, I have this gigantic expectation bar. And boy, I tell you, you set yourself up for some really hard times. If you take that down, and you just look at the opportunities to just one day at a time, again, sticking your toe in the water, peeking over the fence, giving yourself the grace to do this at a pace that you're taking what you've learned from your experience and you're saying, okay, how does this now add to what I am? How does, how does learning patience make me a better parent? How does learning resilience make me want to, as one of my girls um, is now training to run a marathon because she went through cancer. She said, you know, while I was going through cancer, I was one of those people that went out and jogged. But after going through that, I knew I could do anything. She took that plus of knowing what she had been through. And she said, okay, I want to run a marathon. So, you know, taking what you learn, learning that you need to um, give back, you know, that's a beautiful plus. Maybe you always thought about doing it before, but you didn't know quite how to do it. Now, because of cancer, you know, you just need to find a way to give back because that's going to give you purpose in your life. So, yeah, it's a great plus is a wonderful word. Everybody loves a plus on the report card, don't they? Absolutely. Even if you get a C, to have a C plus, oh my goodness, that's better. (laughs) It's such a good way to look at it. And I think people who are listening, you know, I even want to take like, ah, deep breath. And, you know, we're not in such a hurry to, just like you said, to, to, get back to normal and do everything we were doing, you know, pause and reflect. Give yourself permission to heal. Do you know that um, there have been studies done? And if you were to take the time of diagnosis through active treatment and add all that time up, that's as long as they've discovered it takes your body at a minimum to heal. And then they say the emotional impact can take two to three times longer to get through that. So my gracious, um, feeling that need to rush this process is only going to make you feel again that that expectation bar, everything below that, below that becomes less um, uh, reinforcing. You know, it's just like if you have a goal to set and goals are wonderful. I have no problem with goals, but I always tell the ladies that they wanna set non-goal goals. 
If you want to lose, let's say you're a little bit on the chunky side after going through cancer and you say, okay, I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to lose 20 pounds in the next two months. Well, that's an expectation bar. And what if you don't lose 20 pounds? Does that make you then feel like you're less? Does that make you feel like the cancer has won and that you are just going to sit down and eat those bonbons and not care? So instead of doing that, saying, all right, I know that I want to start experimenting more with healthy food. I want to go to the grocery store and I'm going to find something new in the produce department I've never eaten before. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to experiment with a healthy meal because I know in doing that, I'm going to help make myself feel better. And yes, if there's a bonus round of losing a few pounds because you're not eating trans fats and you're doing more shopping in the outside aisles and you're doing all those healthy things that we all want to do, but doing it in a small, gentle, again, toe in the water, gentle way. And I'll bet you dollars to donuts, as my mother used to say, that your weight will start to improve at the rate that it needs to improve, not 20 pounds in two months because you've suddenly got a tummy because you've been in forced into menopause by treatment. Give yourself some grace. It's so important. And just like you said, those bite-sized chunks, you know, just little things you can do to fuel your body. What's going to make me feel good? You know, and, and then pat yourself on the back every time you accomplish one, even if it's just, I didn't go to the freezer and eat that ice cream tonight. I had a bowl of fruit. Pat, 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 pat. That's a good thing. You're absolutely right. You gave so much wonderful advice. I just want to ask you, just do you have any other advice that you want to give a, a cancer survivor, someone who, you know, is going through it? And maybe someone who has finished with treatment. You know, I think my greatest advice would be find a community in your area where you can connect. We all think that we've got this, that we, again, you know, maybe maybe you have an incredible community around you, but you're starting to feel, whether it's in the beginning or at the end, that there's something missing. The thing that's oftentimes missing is that person who understands. There's a really great quote by C.S. Lewis that's at the heart of our Young Warrior program. And it says, friendship is born the moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. And when you get that empathy, whether it's in the beginning, in the middle, or in the end, from someone else who understands what you're going through, um, it's a powerful, powerful tool to help you find your center. None of us can do this alone. We need a village. And um, when I was going through cancer, I um, had a very amazing group of people I had met on a cruise. I actually was on a cruise a week, came home a week before my diagnosis. And I uh, met a group of people and fell in love with them. And when I was diagnosed, I asked them to all join my Caring Bridge, which is a great resource for people. Caring Bridges are wonderful. And I said, um, the only thing that was expected of them, because I was calling it Yvonne's Village, because sometimes in life you need a village, uh, I would only require them every once in a while to sing the, um, the, the village, the, the group song. 
And the song was um, YMCA. But I changed the words and I made it, if you do the sign, it's Yvonne's Marvelous Cancer Angels. And so Y became that thing for me. And it all stemmed from knowing that I needed a village. We all need a village at a time like this. So look into um, different support programs within your community. Try to get yourself connected. Podcasts like this are wonderful because even like I say, with Zoom, we are not necessarily able to touch each other. But through podcasts, through people like Haley, who are opening doors to communication, um, you have a chance to hear that someone gets you. And that's incredibly powerful. You can't do it alone. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I just quickly want to get into the random round questions. You ready? Okay. (laughs) Okay. So fill in the blank. Freedom to you is? Putting on my own oxygen mask. Love that. The last show you binged and loved. Oh, it's called Shadow and Bones. It's wonderful. It's I kind of like those kind of shows. It's it's on Netflix and it's it's a little magical, mystical, all that kind of stuff. It's really good. Great. Thank you. I love these questions because I didn't know that one. <laughs> when you're feeling afraid, what do you do? More times than not, I go out into nature because um, uh, nature is nurture. And whether it's gardening, going for a walk, or just talking to my plants, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an avid plant talker, but getting out into the organic world around us is to me a way to um, release fear into the oxygen. I love that. I am very into nature too, so I can relate. If you could have a one hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? You know, it's funny. You get asked this question all the time. And in, in whenever you're sitting around and you're like, oh, who would you want to talk to? And, and, and all these people rattle through your brain. And maybe it's because I've, I've um, just been watching more of it. But I think I would like to sit down with Queen Elizabeth. I, I having watched The Crown and then having watched some of the documentaries about um, her, because you know that... Uh, Everything on TV isn't always true. Um, I still felt that she was a woman so far ahead of her time and the things that she experienced in her lifetime uh, and the way that she handled so much of what she went through. I think I would like to sit down with her and have a conversation as if we were girlfriends, not, you know, the garden. Okay, I have an hour with the queen, but I would like to sit down with her and really go, girl, tell me about how you felt going through all of this, because I just think she has all of this inside of her that she has held on to. That would be so fascinating to hear her, to hear her side of so much of this would be just incredible. Ah. Such a good answer. I I know. I would love to know what she's thinking. What is your favorite go-to snack? Um, Okay. So there's the, there's the good answer, which is um, peanut butter, which I do love peanut butter. 
Um, and I like peanut butter on stuff. So if I'm really being good, I'll put it on celery. Um, if I'm not being good, it'll go on a piece of toast. But um, the the honest, you know, the little devil on the other side, I do love a good piece of chocolate. So, you know, bring it on. <laughs> Every once in a while, everything in moderation, as they say. And in moderation, I will go to chocolate and it's my happy place. <laughs> That's great. I mean, you don't want to... I always tell people, don't deprive yourself. You know, you're just going to want to binge. You know, if you're going to have that piece of chocolate, by God, enjoy it. Do not just hoover down a candy bar, sit there and make it an experience. And I do. And it's like, I, I can eat a couple squares of chocolate and, and just feel like my mouth is having a happy place. So yeah, (laughs) that's my, that's my, my happy place food. Well, you might've answered this, but what's one simple thing that brings you joy? And it's, you know, I, I, I love my gardening. I've just started painting and that is, is an amazing outlet for me because it creates a space for something that I didn't know I had inside of me. And I also love my cats. I don't have children, but I have two of the most adorable kitties. And there's something about, there's nothing like an animal to give you joy, unconditional love. And, and I have to say my two little furry beasts are a constant source of joy. And of course my husband, so I can't leave him out. But <laughs> <laughs> He's listening to this, yeah. <laughs> What's on your nightstand? This answer is kind of funny because we had this question uh, that we put out to our, we, we on Facebook will put out questions to our girls just to engage them because we have very, very active um, warrior sites that are private. And we we put out a question that said, if if you had to have something on a desert island, what would you have? And all of us were chiming in with a couple of the same things. And one of them that was most commonly heard was chapstick. (laughs) So I have like chapstick on every nightstand in my house uh, or every table in my house on my nightstand. I have chapstick. I have water because, again, I am one of those people that I'm always hydrating and I, I have Kleenex. So, you know, it's the basic boring. um, Yeah. Just in the middle of the night, you got to have a little drink and a what have you. So the chapstick, I couldn't live without my chapstick. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite form of exercise? I would have to say I unfortunately am, am one of those women who going through chemotherapy had, has taken a toll on me. I have severe peripheral neuropathy. So where my husband and I used to hike extensively and that was our, our main our main jam that we did. We were the, you know, we take off for seven miles and loved it. Um, I still enjoy walking. And again, I think it's just because now when I walk, I'm not walking for distance. I don't look at my watch and go, okay, I've got to go this far or this many steps. I walk so I can engage with what's around me. And I really make a point of, I love, if anybody out there hasn't read about this or looked at it, I would encourage you to, you know, on Pinterest or wherever, go in and look at forest bathing. Forest bathing is a Japanese 
It's actually a Japanese word for it that I can't pronounce and I won't even try to, but it is a way of utilizing the power of the forest to heal. And it's actually been studied in excess in Japan and they've spent millions of dollars and dedicated, um, um, I believe at this point, close to 65 acres just to the act of forest bathing for the reduction of stress and anxiety. So there is actually a term and a science and there's a way to engage in nature where you don't take your phone, you don't look at your watch, you don't measure your steps, you're just there to enjoy the movement in the space. So, yeah. Perfect. And sometimes I think maybe I should change it to movement because, you know, any kind of movement is so important. Yeah. I love to dance, but, you know, any more busting a move, I'm like, okay, got to sit down. I'm tired now. <laughs> <laughs> and what's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? I would have to say the the love of the community of women who have been so much a part of my life over the last 10 years with Breast Friends as I prepare to retire from my role, um, I am being, I'm being flooded by this sense of um, gratitude from them for being a part of their story but it's that circle. I have so much gratitude to all of them for allowing me to be a part of their story and to be a piece of their healing process. And I am so grateful for that opportunity. And I wouldn't have had that. I would not have had the opportunity to have made a legacy in my life that had meaning and had substance if I hadn't gone through hell, if I hadn't heard those words, you have cancer, I wouldn't be the woman I am now. And I wouldn't feel like I have made a difference. And I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to have really made a difference on this earth. That is just so beautiful. And I could see what a difference you're making and that you've made. And I am so happy that I had this chance to talk to you. Thank you so, so much for being on. No, it's been a pleasure. And I hope all of your listeners uh, realize again that women like Haley who are doing what they're doing are doing it for you, are doing it because their journey taught them that um, they have a purpose. And I think the gifts that you're going to give them and uh, the gifts that you're going to receive from this are going to be exceptionally wonderful. So congratulations to you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.